Greetings, welcome to January 1st, 365 Daily Readings. Happy New Year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a new year's before us. Lord, we just give you all, every day of this year, 2023, into your arms, Lord, that you would do as you would like, Lord. Lord, keep us in tune with your word. Keep us in tune with your love and with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that helps us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Help us to live, Lord God, one day at a time, giving you honor, glory, acknowledging you each day, Lord God, that we need your presence. We need your friendship. We need your laughter, your joy, your camaraderie, and your wisdom, your talents, your skills, your entertainment, Lord. We need it on a daily basis. So we thank you for today, January the 1st. Thank you for giving us a new day, fully clothed in our right minds. Hallelujah. Completely sober and stable in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And all of God's people say, amen. Reading of Genesis 1, the commentary says, In what ways are we made in God's image? God has no physical body, so he obviously did not create us exactly like himself. Some think that our, that our reason, creativity, speech, or self-determination is the image of God. We will never be totally like God because he is our supreme creator, but we embody his character when we exhibit love, patience, forgiveness, kindness, and faithfulness. Again, we are more like God, our creator, when we exhibit character that says love, actions of patience, actions of forgiveness, kindness, and faithfulness. <clears throat> if humans are made in God's image and share many of his characteristics, then we clearly have incredible worth. Often people determine worth based on possessions, achievements, physical attractiveness, or public acclaim. But God does not base our worth on those things. Instead, our worth is based on being made in God's image. This is great encouragement to everyone. You are valuable because you bear God's image. Knowing that you are a person of worth helps you love God. Know Him personally and serve others around you. Amen. In Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens and the, and the waters from the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, making the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water ceased and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let, there, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seeding bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, day and years. Let these signs in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. 
He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky so light to light the earth, to govern the day at, and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animal that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, making the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was complete. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creations, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when, when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plant nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust out of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed a man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it into four branches. The first branch, called Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stones are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You, must, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And the man chose a name for each one. 
He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, and the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the ribs, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This is one... This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. So she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Note. Now we have more commentary. God was pleased with his creation. He declared that it was good. God stopped now and then to approve of what he had designed and created. Many of our problems and dependencies result from the misuse of God's creation. Recovery sometimes involves discovering the good things that we have misused and learning how to enjoy them in the way God created them or intended. One of the things that I can see that God intended here was rest and acknowledge the good action. So if you have a good action, a good job, well done, say well done to yourself, good and faithful servant. Acknowledge the deed and rest a little bit. Ground yourself. Some way or another, a way to uh, acknowledge the good task. And so God said, And it was good. It was good. And God saw and he said that it was good. Amen. So God called it good. Okay. So that's what we do too. We say the, it, the miracle supplies are not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Amen. The phrase, and, and that is what happened, shows us that God's creative activity was done in complete conformity to the specification he had originally intended. God accomplishes his will with certainty and precision. It should reassure us to know that God's good desire for us can be accomplished with the same certainty. Amen. Our God is the workmanship or making us up, making us who he called us to be. That's his job. When we give him the clay, we are the clay. He is the potter. The recovery principle is self-perception. In Genesis, if we have lived in bondage to our compulsive behaviors for a while, we probably see more bad than good inside of us. Many of us tend to see life in terms of all all or, or nothing. As a result, we probably think we are all bad. But in recovery, we need a balanced understanding of ourselves. We need to see that along with our bad points, we have been gifted with strengths. It's not an either-or proposition. A balanced view of ourselves will help us better understand our shortcomings while also giving us greater hope in our potential. At the end of the fifth day of creation, God had made everything except the first people. The, the Bible tells us that when he looked at what he had made so far, God saw that it was good. Then God created the first man and women, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. So when you see our, when we see ourselves in the mirror, we will compliment ourselves and say, it is very good. 
We are very good in God's image. Taking care of ourselves and speaking to ourselves is the lifeline of activating God's creative power in us. He said that we were good. We look in the mirror and we say, we are very good. According to creation and the words of God, we are more than able for the task. We have the faith. We have the power of God inside of us. We are made in his image. It is good. It is made to go. Amen. God distinguishes between the human race and the rest of creation. He made us in his very own image with capacities far beyond those of mere animals. God was and is excited about us. He gave us abilities and responsibility to reflect his own nature in all creation. When he created us, he was proud of what he had made. Although we have a sinful nature that came as a result of the fall, we also must remember that we were created in the likeness of God. There is excellence and dignity inherited in being human that should cause us to ponder our potential for good as well as for bad. Amen. It is very good. Aren't we? All right, that's about it right now. We're going to keep it uh, simple. I can keep reading and reading. But we got the main message through. That is God's words that are valuable in our lives. The words of God. God said we were very good. Got it? So don't let our our poor me self-pity destroy the very good things that God put into our lives. God said we are very good when he created us. And he saw that it was very good. So let's give him honor by his creation and saying the same thing God says over ourselves in the mirror. Amen. Let's go ahead and move, move over to the New Testament and we'll start off with Matthew chapter 1 to chapter 2 verse 12. Let's go ahead and pray. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Amen. In Matthew's genealogy, we meet 46 people whose lifetimes total 2,000 years. All of them were ancestors of Jesus, but they were remarkably diverse in personality, spirituality, and experience. Some were heroes of faith, like Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, and David. Some had shady reputations like Rahab and Tamar. Many were very ordinary people like Hezron, Ram, Nashon, and Akim. And others were evil like Manasseh and Abijah. God's work in history is not dependent on human success or limited by human failure or sins. He often works through ordinary people just as God uses all kinds of people to bring his son into the world. He uses all kind today to accomplish his will. And God invites us, you and I, to be part of his work. Blessing people walking through life with them and caring for the world he created. Amen. It's a wonderful adventure. Let's see if there's uh, any more commentary here on the uh, on the. Cr- recovery Bible I'm sure there's plenty might as well get it in now the family tree of Jesus the sinless God man was far from perfect Judah father Perez with his daughter-in-law Tamar thinking he was she was a prostitute 
Salmon married Rahab, a former prostitute. David had an adulterous affair with Uriah's wife. Throughout history, God had imperfect people to work his will. He was more concerned about the attitude of their hearts than about the mistakes they had made. God is never frustrated by our past mistakes. This should give us hope. God can give us productive futures no matter how bad our past has been. For a new start, we must admit our sins and commit our lives to God. Woohoo! Good stuff, huh? The power of resurrection. The importance of hope. The dangers of denial and God's kingdom. A model for recovery. Jesus came to earth to inaugurate his kingdom. His complete rule, however, will be realized only when he returns. His kingdom will be made up of all those who, in faith, have turned their lives over to God and sought to follow him. We begin the recovery process by believing in him, but but living as children of the king requires moment-by-moment acts of faith and trust. Recovery works the same way, just as in this, this life when we never fully enter into God's kingdom. We never really finish recovery. We look forward to that day when we see Jesus face to face and know that our recovery is complete in him. Amen. The dangers of denial. Often people say that if they could just see a miracle, they would believe. But as we see in Matthew, many people denied the truth about Jesus despite the miracles he did for them. Our denial system is well entrenched. God can handle our doubts and fears, but cynicism and unbelief shuts us off from his transforming power. Let us be like the disciples who stood in awe of the Mount of Transfiguration and wondered what kind of man Jesus was. That kind of openness facilitates the recovery process. Amen. The importance of hope. Without hope, we are miserable. Hope is the driving force behind all recovery. If we have no hope, there would be no possibility of recovery. Understanding who Jesus is gives us each of us a hope that can be transferred, even our deepest despair. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see and hear the message of hope that is available to everyone, not just to a select group of people. Jesus' resurrection forms the basis of our hope because in it, God demonstrates his power over death. And now the power of the resurrection. Sometimes we look to the power of to recover within ourselves. Look for the power. We don't want to depend on a power that is outside of us, but the power within us can only be as strong as we are, and we have realized, already recognized, that we are powerless. In the gospel, God demonstrates his power in many ways, but the ultimate example was in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In his victory over sin and death, Jesus established his credentials as king and his power and authority over all evil. That's the kind of power we need in recovery. It is available to us when we turn our lives over to him. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Matthew chapter 1. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Selman was the father of Boaz, whose name was Rahab, mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother is Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, 
Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manish. Manish was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brother born at the same time of the exile of Babylon. After the Babylon exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abud. Abud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Sadak. Sadak was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matan. Matan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylon exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are name him to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message from, through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give a birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relationship with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time young wise men from East Land arrived in Jerusalem, where is the newborn king of the Jews? They saw, they saw his star at it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and said, where is, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then heard Herod call for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and reach carefully, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, her, him come back and tell me so that, that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stooped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saved the child with his mother, and saw this child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their businesses, chest and gave him gifts. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave them him gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirror. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now notice that Joseph 
reacted to the implications of Mary's pregnancy by deciding to break the engagement. Although he was a man of principle and a well-intentioned, his choice was still short-sighted. Attitudes and decisions based on incomplete understanding are significant problems related to recovery. Patience, honesty, and perseverance in communications are crucial to preventing far-reaching mistakes such as broken relationships. Now, King Herod was a tyrant who could charm and manipulate others to achieve his ends. Herod, though, he could get information about the identity and whereabouts of the Messiah from the wise men by feign interest in and a desire to worship him. Frequently, abusive or repulsive personalities will play along in the earliest stage of recovery, hoping to crush any resistance to their domination later. We need to be careful to avoid such people as did the wise men and Joseph. Amen. Yes, stay on guard and people that would trump you from your your dedication to the scriptures, to the things of God. Remember we, uh, Joseph and Mary? Trust can be rebuilt when it has been broken, but this does not happen automatically. Such a process takes work and commitment, especially when a relationship has been threatened by unfaithfulness. This was the challenge that Joseph and Mary faced. Months before their planned wedding, Mary became pregnant because Joseph knew that this was not his child. He assumed that she had been unfaithful to him. Though he was troubled by doubts and anger, he chose to break off the engagement as inconspicuously as possible. He was a man of integrity and mercy, so he did not want to hurt or embarrass Mary. God had other plans, however. He sent an angel to speak to Joseph and assure him that Mary's baby had been supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. The child's name would be Jesus, and he would be the Savior of the world, the one who would offer spiritual recovery to all. Because Joseph believed God, his perspective changed, Mary and Joseph's mutual commitment to and trust in God reserved as the foundation upon which the trust of each other could be established. Mary and Joseph humbly and joyfully entered a new life together. Joseph did all that was possible to protect Mary and the baby Jesus. When he was born, he became a loving father who carefully taught his son the carpentry trade. Mary was an attentive and caring mother. This relationship demonstrated that it is possible to rebuild trust and repair love in relationship that were once very fragile. One of the ways to remember that we are all have ultimately have our own personal God, and once God forgives us, other people should forgive us in the relationship. And you got to thank God for the person just the way they are. So we can, God can work miracles in our lives, miracles of peace, resources, adventure, and, and it's a higher wisdom not to be picking on people's actions or sins or whatever. Things will change if we stop bickering about it. They will change in God's way. We start thanking God for the situations. Letting go and letting God is the hardest thing to do, but it can be done and million, millions and millions are, are trying in the verge of accomplishing that. That's why when we're open to God's will, willing to change, there were opinions. We obey God despite the embarrassment we would suffer. Okay? Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We can rebuild trust on God's way by using our spouse as the experiment, thanking God for a spouse, thanking God for hard situations just the way they are so God's will and ultimate plan be accomplished. That we put our, our, our little disputes out of the way and praise and thank the Creator that His, His work is more important than our failures or or offenses in Jesus' name. Amen? In the Psalms, Psalm 1 illustrates that a praying life 
what it looks like. The psalm contrasts the life of the faithful to the life of the faithless. A life of prayer to a life without prayer. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray right here. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Not, but not with the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at that time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. In Proverbs 1, 1 through 6, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. This purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Their purpose and to help them understand the insight of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise learn to these Proverbs. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let them with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the the words of the wise and their riddles. Amen and amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for coming in today's podcast and today's reading. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his counts and smile on you and comfort you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming on today's podcast, 365 Daily Bible Reading. Today, January the 2nd, we'll be reading Genesis chapter 3 to 4, verse 26. Let's pray. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear your word as you give it to us, Lord. Full measure for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Genesis Why would God place a tree in the garden and then forbid Adam and Eve to eat from it? God wanted Adam and Eve to obey, but God gave them the freedom to choose. They did not understand God's reason for his commands, so they chose to act in another way that seemed better to them. Without their freedom to choose, Adam and Eve wouldn't have been like prisoners. Adam and Eve would have been like prisoners and their obedience would have been hollowed. The two trees provided an exercise in choice with rewards for choosing to obey and sad consequences for choosing to disobey. It became a matter of the will. All of God's commands are for our own good, but we may not always understand his reason for them. Sometimes trusting God means obeying him without clearly knowing why. In these times, our trust in God's wisdom and love, not our own understanding. People who trust God will obey him because he asks them to, whether or not they understand why he commands it. When you are faced with choices like this, choose to trust God's goodness and then work out your trust by obeying him. One good trust exercise is having a problem you don't understand Just keep thanking God, even if it's eating your lunch. Keep at it. Keep at it. If it takes three months, just keep thanking God. If it takes two years, just keep thanking God. It's an exercise of purity. 
of purification and you'll become gold. And it's a lot easier in these smaller problems than confronting large problems and not being able to handle it. That's been my experience, folks. Thanking God for situations that bug you are, are small compared to the big things coming our way if we don't, okay? We'll be better prepared, better wise, more reluctant to, to surrender, and there's no big deals to understand that God and heaven and our existence is made up of love, and love is forgiveness, love is joy, laughter, wisdom, patience, understanding, enthusiasm, and, and knowing that this life is brief. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's what we need to believe, trust in, understand, have faith in those words that vengeance is mine. It's kind of the last thing on our to-do list is to allow God to be God, huh? You know, a little more insight on the Recovered Bible says that, um, let's see, what does it say? It says, when Adam was questioned, notice that he blamed the woman for his problem. Oh, poor, poor girl, huh? It was an ideal situation. A man and his wife living harmoniously together in a lush, beautiful garden that God had created for their pleasure. They had enjoyed a perfect relationship with God and with each other. But when Adam and Eve gave in to temptation, they overstepped their God-given boundaries and plunged the human race into sin. Harmony was broken. Shame and guilt penetrated their lives and created an invisible barrier between them and God. The consequences of their disobedience and lack of self-control are with us to this day. Adam and Eve knew that they had gone against God's plan, a plan that was created with the best interests in mind, and the consequences of the sin follow immediately. Right away, they became afraid of the God who loved them so much, and they hid from his presence. They also became ashamed of their nakedness and set out to cover themselves. All righty, let's go ahead and move on to uh, when Adam was questioned, notice that he blamed the woman for his problems. He even black-handedly blamed God by reminding God that he was the one who had given him the woman in the first place. Ooh. And Eve blamed the serpent for the problems. And you, and you know the old joke, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Passing the buck is a standard human response to guilt. But true <clears throat> repentance and recovery and wisdom requires that we take a thorough inventory of our lives, accepting responsibility for everything we have done or failed to do. The very first death occurred on the same day as Adam and Eve's sin. It was the death of an animal to provide a covering for their nakedness. God's immediate provision for sin was the slain of an innocent substitute to provide skins to clothe the guilty couple. The clothing they wore must have served as a reminder and engraved the sight of the dying animal in their minds. A picture of the terrible consequences of their sin as we recognize the suffering we may have caused others, we are reminded of the consequences of rejecting God's plans for our lives. Wow, it's putting a, a lot of information in here. But the information that I see is the grace. God covering up their bodies because they're going to be cold now or they're ashamed. And God helping them. It's like when we do something wrong and God is helping us repair so we can come back, and he's helping us pay, pay the bills, pick up the pieces, get a job. You know, he's just a kind, kind father. When God rejected Cain's offering, okay, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's keep on reading. Okay, a 12-step devotional. So all this entails is step four made a searching, fearless inventory of ourselves, being honest with our past and the inability to let go and forgive is um, step four. Made a searching, fearless moral inventory 
of ourselves. When made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, many of us have spent our life in a state of hiding, ashamed of who we are inside. We may hide by living a double life by using drugs or giving others in to other addictions to make us feel like someone else or by self-righteously setting ourselves above others. Step four involves uncovering the things we have been hiding even from ourselves. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Human beings have been covering up and hiding ever since. Jesus consistently confronted the religious leaders about their hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy describes a person who pretends to have virtues or qualities that he really doesn't have. One time, Jesus said to these leaders, Hypocrites, if for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. When the real person inside of us comes out out of hiding, we will have to deal with some dirt. Making this inventory is a good way to wash the inside. Some of the washing may involve bathing our life with tears. It is only by uncovering the hidden parts of ourselves that we be able to change our other person, including our addictive, compulsive behaviors. Amen. Now for the reading of uh, Genesis chapter 3 to 426. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals. The Lord God made one day, the Lord God had made. One day he asked a woman, did you, did God really say, You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me fruit to eat, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live, and I will cause hostility between you and the women, and between your offsprings and her offsprings. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pains of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to confront your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because... Of you, all your life you will. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and twistles for you, though you will eat 
of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the dust from which you were made. And you were made from dust. For you were made out of dust, and to dust you will return. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing for the animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings are, have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take first from the tree of life and eat it? Then, God, then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending him out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim in the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that, that flashed back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived. Welcome to the reading of January the 2nd. We're reading the New Testament now on Matthew. Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the army of Jesus Christ, the army of God. The church is going forward, Lord. We thank you for the procession, the victory, the march all over the world. We are victorious, hallelujah, for what the Lord Jesus has done. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. We are world overcomers because we are born of God. Greater is he, Jesus Christ, that's inside of us than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against us will prosper, but whatever we do, will prosper in the name of the Lord. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yep, by the blood of Jesus, the devil is defeated. By the blood of Jesus Christ, disease is defeated. By the blood of Jesus Christ, loneliness, sickness, and disease, get, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. You've been defeated. We are the sanctified. We are the wisdom of Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God our Lord. We are the redeemed. We are the wisdom of Jesus Christ. We are his sanctuary in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's get our reading going. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13 to chapter 3 verse 6. After the wise men were gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to, to search for the child to kill him. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. I call my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeps for her children refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Interesting that he was warned again in a dream where to go to Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Wow. In those days, 
John the Baptist came to Judean wilderness and began preaching, his message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Note. In Matthew chapter 2, this was the second dream or vision that Joseph received from God. Joseph's first dream revealed that Mary's child would be the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1, 20 to 22, 21. His second dream told him how to protect the child's life. Although Joseph was not Jesus' natural father, he was Jesus' legal father and was responsible for his safety and well-being. In all this, Joseph remained receptive to God's guidance and he obeyed it faithfully. Divine guidance comes only to prepare hearts. Joseph's heart was ready to hear from God and really to respond in faith and what he heard. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, for Lord, for dreams and visions that come from the Holy Spirit, from angels sent to God. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for instructing us and teaching us and encouraging us to stay in your word. That this is where life starts. This is where life begins for us, Lord. The reading of your word. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. More to come on Matthew. But for right now, let's go ahead and finish the uh, today's reading. Pray Psalms 2 to affirm God's reign over the whole earth and in your life. God is king ruling for eternity. Lord, we pray, praise you and we thank you for Psalms 2. Lord, that you reign over the whole earth and over our lives. God, you are king ruling for eternity to eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. The reading of Psalm 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time in futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scopes at them. Then in danger, anger, he rebukes them terrifying them with the fierce fury, his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as an inheritance and the whole earth as your possession." You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry. And you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant, but what joy for all who take refuge in him. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen when your father corrects you. 
Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain and honor around your neck. Amen. Notice that the word wisdom and discipline are underneath the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. You know, when you hear the word be instructed, they're talking about being instructed about who is the creator. Where does wisdom, strength, where does life come from? Have wisdom to know that that's the true thing. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. What's true knowledge? It's wisdom and discipline. Amen. Thank you for coming to today's reading. God bless you. More to come.